Welcome everyone to our Scotch Friday podcast. This podcast is part of our leadership series during the COVID-19 pandemic. I have with me Mr. Stuart Miller, Director of Education from the Halton District School Board. Stuart was appointed October 1st, 2015 after having held various senior management roles within the school board. His appointment was unanimous by the school board trustees. He's formerly a principal at Georgetown District High School. His teaching career predominantly is Halton based with the exception of a year spent in Scotland and a year teaching in Malawi, East Africa. His teaching responsibilities have included teaching science, biology and mathematics. He's coached hockey and soccer. He's uh, coordinated science fairs. He's initiated and organized social justice conferences for students. In fact, the school board trustees credit him with having been instrumental in creating the Welcome Center for Students New to Canada and expanding the international student program within the board. He's also advanced the work of uh, the board's research and accountability team, which provides uh, schools with important student data as a resource support for students. Stuart, welcome and thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Carmel. I appreciate it. I think well, uh, your series is an important and timely uh, series. You know, um, learning about your background, it seems to me you've been at the forefront of shaping the quality of education and its delivery to students in our region for years. Um, yeah, I've, I've spent my entire career in Halton. Um, and I've worked at various schools as a teacher, uh, vice principal, principal, Oakville, Burlington, Georgetown. Yeah, I've been around and uh, I, I, I think um, in some ways that teaching is a calling, not a vocation. And I, I see it that way. And uh, I think my skill set matches with education. And I, I was in private industry prior to going to education, spent a few years in, in private industry and it was good, good job, good people I worked with, but it wasn't what i wanted to do and wasn't the contribution I wanted to make. So I felt uh, uh, that I needed to go and I, and I haven't looked back as far as I'm concerned. Well, I've known you for years and, and I know you to be a, a, a wonderful leader and, but I'm sure that these are challenging times for you. So I have a very simple question. Have you been getting any sleep lately? <laughs> yeah, I get sleep. Um, I get sleep. It's sometimes a bit restless now. Uh, and, um, but I am sleeping. They're long days, though. I'm putting long days in, and you wake up in the middle of the night, and you think, oh, we got to do this, we got to do that, and then you get up. I get up early, but I've always gotten up early anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sleeping. And I think it's important that we all try to sleep. I'm a big believer in, in resting your brain and trying to sleep. So I guess the most important thing in your role is, uh, what do you do the first thing when you get up in the morning to find out the news from the province? Well, there's two things I do. I get up in the morning, I grab my phone, and I see if I've had any emails or texts. Um, and that's usually pretty early in the morning. And then I go to the news cycle. I take a look at the sites. I take a look at what's going on in Ontario. I get the newspaper delivered every day, so I have a quick read of the newspaper. And then I take a look at what's going on in the world. I check the BBC, I check CNN and try to see where they are in Europe and in U.S. and say, try to figure out, is that coming here or not coming here, etc. Then I take my dog for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> so all publicly funded schools are closed until May 4th, correct? 
Uh, yes, yes. And, and I understand that private schools will remain closed until April 23rd, according to the emergency orders, but that'll be extended now that the declaration uh, of emergency has been extended to May 12th. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem like the kids will be back in their classrooms um, May 4th. And I would I would agree 100% with that, Carmel. And listening to uh, Premier uh, Doug Ford, uh, he seems to suggest that the declaration of emergency could be extended even longer. That's how I read it. Uh, I, I'm Because of my position, I'm privy to some information that I have a every once a week we have we were having them twice a week but they're now down to once a week a conference call with the Ministry of Education with the Deputy Minister and uh, on occasion the Minister Stephen Lecce joins those conversations and provides and it's all the directors in Ontario on that from all the four um, publicly funded um, uh, boards public Catholic French public French Catholic and we're all on those calls and we get the insights from what's coming from the government and we get the insights that's coming from the Ministry of Education and kind of our marching orders sometimes. But I, I, I'm really pleased with it because it's not a dictatorial kind of marching orders. They take a lot of feedback from us as well and go back and say, hey, what are you seeing on the ground there? And so on. So, 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 so go ahead, Carmel. No, finish your sentence. So I suspect that um, schools will definitely be closed till May 12th. And I, my, if I was betting, I would suspect it's probably going to be a wee bit longer than that. So we've got 65,000 students across the board. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but I want to ask you, let's just step back for a moment. I want to ask you about the initial decision um, of not having kids return after the March break, that, that two week extension. Uh, tell me what that, making that decision looked like for you? Well, it, it's a, I, let me back up for a bit. I mean, we were a little bit off the hook because it was the province that made the decision. But um, on the Monday night, we are on the Monday of that week, you know, things were not looking good, but they weren't looking that bad. Um, and uh, rapidly as the week went on, by Wednesday, I was sitting in a board meeting and I just, someone uh, texted me to say that the NBA just canceled the season. And then we heard that the president of the United States had, had stopped all travel from Europe. So we knew something was afoot. We had already ramped up. We'd had a, a COVID committee and a pandemic committee that were meeting uh, uh, twice a week uh, to get prepared because we suspected something was going to happen. And then on Thursday afternoon, uh, the stress levels were pretty high. I have to say they were really high. And uh, then we got a call. Ironically, uh, I got a text from a, a journalist to say, hey, did you hear that the schools are going to be closed? And, uh, I, you know, in fairness to the government, things happened rapidly for them as well. And to get the normal protocol process to get to all of us first was probably a challenge for sure. So, yeah. And you know, it was uh, difficult because I was, I haven't gone away from March break for about 10 years and I was going away from March break. <laughs> we were going to the States and uh, like everybody else, we had to make a decision. My decision, I think was, uh, it was, it was, it, it, it was not an easy decision because it was family vacation and, uh, but it was easy from the point of view of our personal health. But what really made it easy was I was putting out correspondences 
asking the community and people to stay home, to not go away. How could I possibly go away? So it was an easy decision in the end for me in terms of my professional integrity and so on. But um, yeah, no. so it was, it was a stress time though. And then we had got in on Friday and we had to start making preps, preparations. And then there's a second extension of school closures. Yeah, I, we kind of expected the second extension. When we were, during March break, put in long days, uh, getting things ready with my own staff and corresponding with other directors in the province and other educators around the province and with public health. We have a committee and one of our superintendents is in, is in a weekly and sometimes daily contact with the region of health's public health department, region of Halton's public health department. And so there was a lot of that going on. And so March break was long days figuring it out. And then the two weeks we were, uh, kind of told, let's get ready because we really believe that this uh, uh, extension will go beyond those first two weeks. And of course they were. So we were ready to hit the ground running last Monday for our kids. Um, Stuart, this concept of distance learning, did you think that when you, uh, the first initial two week extension, did you think that you would have to put your classes online. When did that thought start to become a reality? And, 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 and when did the earnest efforts start in, in putting together this online um, uh, curriculum? Well, that, that's, a, that's a, a, a funny question, Carmel. I thought about it about 15 minutes after it was announced the schools were going to be closed. So on that Thursday before March break, I thought, we are going to have to figure out how to educate these kids. We're going to have to provide education for them and their families and support their, their parents. So the planning really started in earnest that March break, but it was a bit unknown. We weren't sure what it looked like. We'd never done it before. We were, we were being asked to transform interaction in classrooms for 65,000 kids, thousands of teachers, thousands of classrooms, and we had a week or two to do it. And uh, so, yeah, the work began trying to figure out how to do this. And I have to say, we, all the directors and boards cheated from each other. We heard good ideas here. I don't know if cheating's the right word because uh, it was to everyone's advantage, but we all took ideas from each other and our, and, and my superintendents were doing the same with their counterparts. And we spent long days trying to figure this out. And we also consulted a lot with our uh, unions. We spoke with the, 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 our unions. We knew we needed their support, and we did. We do, and we've had it from the beginning. They've been great um, in, in making this work. I mean, online education is not a new thing. It's been around for quite a while. But now it's, that is the norm. Uh, that oh, yeah. is the new norm. So I'm curious about the platform that you're using. I know my 14-year-old daughter is on is logging in every every day yeah. and, and she's in fact Good having a great test. I'm sorry? <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> she has no choice in the matter. But, <laughs> but um, uh, the platform that you're using, I mean, was it already pre-existing, uh, the, the online educational platform that you're using, or was it just put together very quickly? Can you, can you just give me some of the mechanics? Sure. Of we, have been using, we have been using Google Classroom for some time. Um, um, and that's essentially the platform we're using is Google Classroom. 
Um, I mean, teachers are also e e uh, emailing and various other things, and I'm sure some teachers are using Zoom and so on. But our primary platform was Google Classroom uh, and a Google platform. So we have been using that for some time, and uh, our teachers are quite adept at using it, some more than others. Um, and so that was our first kind of, okay, now how do we use Google Classroom for five-year-olds? Um, you know, you said online learning. On online learning is pretty well being exclusive to senior grades of high school. Uh, and now we're figuring out how to do it for kindergartens and grade ones and, and everyone else. And, you know, you can't go to the six-year-old and say, oh, I'll just go into your Google Classroom and uh, your teacher will have a lesson there. Um, so our, our teachers, particularly in the primary grade, grades, work very hard to uh, figure out how to use it. So. So what is uh, you you've just touched on it. So what is the what are what are some of the challenges in in trying to use this platform from a teaching perspective um if you can comment on that. Yeah, well you you think that uh, our teachers aren't in live some are but most aren't in live conversations with with students. What they are are recording lessons and then putting them on and the students go there. So there's 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 an issue straight away. You know, in a classroom, there's a lot of banter and dialogue between the teacher and the students ongoing, a whole class. That's, that's not happening now. So a student watches the lesson, they get an assignment, they do it, and they have a question. Now there's a lag in getting the answer to that question. And I'll tell you what else it, the impact is. Kids learn from kids. Uh, and so it... it it's eliminated or diminished the possibility of students learning from each other. Um, you know what it's like, Carmel. I know we're both old guys, but when we were in school, if you didn't know the answer, you asked the guy beside you. Not on a test, mind you, but on, <laughs> but on uh, when you were in class and you had a question, you'd ask that question. So yeah, the real-time interaction is yeah, is, and is essentially important. that's been eliminated. So tell me about, have you had to train any of your staff or teachers with this platform? You must have had some issues. Uh, yeah, for sure. We've had to train teachers. Uh, we've had to train some of our staff on it. And um, we've put, the province has been very good. They put a number of webinars out uh, for teachers on how to distant learn and do all those other things. So Yeah, they, yeah, have, yeah. A, they have an online portal, I noticed. Yep, yep. And I, it's getting a lot of people watching it. Um, how is the response from parents? Have you heard anything? Um, ironically, I have not heard very much from them. Um, but what I have heard has been good. We've had some parents that were concerned and anxious, and I think they're anxious about a whole bunch of things, obviously. Right. Um, and they have been concerned around what we, uh, um, how we're doing it, what their kids are doing and so on. But we've had some really good feedback as well. We've had some feedback saying, this is great. Thanks for doing this. We're supportive of the teachers and so on. I, you know, Carmel, I will say my, one of my biggest worries when we did this was um, some of our teachers possibly being a little overzealous and may, being too demanding online for kids and providing too much work that had added to the stress and anxiety that's already existing in households. And it was also my concern around some overzealous parents that think that it would be exactly the same as the classrooms and putting those demands onto the teachers and the staff, you know, and I know the teachers have their job to do, but their kids are also at home now as well. 
and they've got all those challenges that everybody else does. So, I know that you, uh, in your weekly messages, uh, which is which are posted on the HDSB website, uh, you stress the need for patience uh, from everyone. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the importance of patients and, and what's going on from an administration point of view to try and ensure that the um, delivery of education uh, is, is, is good and, and meets the standards? Yeah, absolutely. I think patience is the one thing that patience, well, there's actually two attributes we all need right now, patience and flexibility. And the patience comes in that there are sometimes technical issues. You sometimes can't get it across. There's a lag between a student wanting an answer and a teacher being able to give an answer. There's uh, all that time. Um, so, you know, families have to be patient with our staff and our students have, to, our teachers have to be patient with our, our, our kids. Uh, our kids may have challenges getting to just use a computer. There might be one computer in a household and both the mom and dad are now working from home and they need the computer. So the kid gets to use the computer whenever he gets a chance at it. Um, there's also students uh, in our further in uh, further in the north of the board who conductivity is an issue. Um, so you know the internet is spotty at times. And I will say that we have worked out a great deal. And I want to give a shout out to Kojiko who uh, are really supporting our students who did not have internet service. And uh, we as a board are paying for it, but they've given a, a tremendous deal for, for families and families are availing themselves of it. So it's great. Yeah, it's, it's clear to me, Stuart, that, that the school board is dealing with some very difficult challenges and, and that I'm sure that everyone and yourself are trying to do the best. Um, but let me ask you, there are going to be children that are harder hit by not being in class and I'm, the IEP students come to mind specifically. I'm sure there's others. C can you comment what, what, what is being done or what can be done, if not now, down the road as with this adjustment, if there's a, a further extension of classroom closures? Well, it, the, it's actually both, Carmel. We have made it a priority to try to support our students with special needs. And our superintendent of uh, special education they have been working with the certs, we call them special education resource teachers, and EAs. Some of these students, their person they're closest to in a school is the educational assistant, and educational assistants are reaching out to kids. Um, all of our teachers and, all, and most of our EAs have reached out to the students for personal contact, either by phone, computer, um, or those ways. So every child should have, and I think probably has been contacted by their teacher or their EA at some point. So um, yeah, we are trying to accommodate students best we can. And unfortunately we sent, uh, not unfortunately we sent tips, but we've had to send tips to their parents to say, here's how we deal with the kids in school, uh, your child, here's the accommodations we make, see if you can do it. But you hit the nail on the head. There is no question that some kids, this is going to be far more difficult than for others. And that includes our kids with special needs, our kids with English as a second language, students who are in high-stressed households at the moment. Maybe both parents have lost their jobs, for Pete's sake. And can you imagine, okay, now sit down and do your lesson? 
when this is, I mean, we're, we're, so when you said if it's extended, we're going to have to keep doing this. And I think a lot of our work with those students will uh, uh, increase when they return to school. We- now, I know that uh, when you were first appointed uh, back in October of 2015 by the trustees as a director of education, uh, you spoke about a paradigm shift in education. But at that time, you really were speaking about nurturing and developing the positive relationships between students, staff, and the community as an essential yeah. element for the success of students. Now that paradigm shift is, is really about uh, the distance learning. Yeah. And um, I, I want to ask you, because, you know, I am an optimist, and, and I want to know what are going to be some of the positive lessons that we learn as educators, uh, your, your management team? What, what are the takeaways from, because the pandemic will at some point end. What, what are yeah, the yeah. good takeaways? Give us some of those messages, please. Well, Carmel, I'm like you. I'm an eternal optimist. There, we are in difficult times. Our kids and their families are experiencing difficult times. There's no question. You can't, you can't downplay that. You can't say that that's not the case. It's absolutely the case. And we'd be wrong to not be conscious of, or cognizant of that. However, human beings, I believe, are incredibly resilient. I come from a family, we were immigrants. I come from a family where my, my parents were in World War II. And uh, uh, I've seen resiliency in them. They came to this country and I came as a young, young one with them. And so human beings are incredibly resilient. And you know the best way I can tell you about, uh, let me tell you a little story if you don't indulge, sure. if you don't indulge me. When I was teaching in Africa, I was teaching in, in Malawi, East Africa, and I had malaria a few times, and some of my students had malaria, and one of them actually passed away from malaria. But my, uh, uh, these kids had virtually nothing. They were extremely poor from villages, um, and they didn't really have anything. Um, and I would sometimes question, why am I here teaching these kids? They can't do much with this education. What are they going to do with this education? A few years later, I'd left Malawi and I was in the UK. I was living in Scotland and I got a call from one of the students and I still remember his name, Thomas Ndovi and his friend, Gerald Masukwa. They had been my students in Malawi and they were now at St. Andrews University in Scotland studying to be medical doctors and then to go back to Malawi. To me, that's the power of resilience and humans. And I think that our kids are going through tough times. Our staff's going through tough times. But we are going to come out of it stronger and we'll have better relationships with each other. So the paradigm shift that you mentioned that I believe we were in when I first was appointed is going to return and it's going to be even stronger because we now, it's, it's never been more obvious that we need each other. Social distancing, we all have to behave uh, as one and, and work together. So I hope that answers your question. I think we will. I don't have any doubt about it. So I know you don't have a crystal ball and, and, and this thing, this, this pandemic and, and, and what happens is evolving day by day. But if you were to take a, a guess, and I won't hold you to this, when are the kids going back to the classroom? Ah, <laughs> oh, geez, that's a tough one. I'm not sure. I know you might not hold me to, hold me to it, but some others might. I, I don't think it's May 12th. How about that? 
<laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Stuart, I thank you very much for your time. I know that people are going to be listening to every word that you share with us. And um, thank you so much for your hard work and the work of your, your team. Uh, and, and I know that everybody is supporting you. Uh, and, and thank you to our teachers. Thank you for their patience, their tolerance, and, and um, the difficulties and the challenges and the frustrations that they must be dealing with. So thank you to everyone in education and part of the Halton District School Board. Thank you very much uh, from us as parents and uh, from our children. Thank you so much and keep up the good work. And if there's anything that we can ever do to help you and the school board, please let us know. And, and if anybody had any questions or concerns, how should they contact uh, you or, or the administration? Uh, they can email me directly, uh, millers at hdsb.ca, or um, uh, they can go onto the board's website and find out a superintendent to talk to or whatever. If they have specific questions about their own children at the school, principal is the best person, or their teacher. Obviously, teacher first, then principal, and don't hesitate to contact them. Um, because we know that everybody is nervous, everybody's anxious. And Carmel, I would just like to say, if there are students that listening are listening to this, keep your chin up. This will end. We're getting through it together. You guys are going to be all right. I, I, I see these kids in their schools every day, and I'm, I'm blown away and amazed at the work they do and the personalities and character that they have. That's going to carry us all a long way. And Carmel, when you and I are old men, these kids will be looking after us. So, Thank you, Stuart. Thank you so much. Um, all the power to you. And uh, I hope we can talk again soon. Sure. Thanks for asking me, Car Carmel. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.